return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. And I have fellowship time just during uh, during greeting. <laughs> Our coin and I have fellowship time just during greeting rather than before service because it's good. I had a pastor say one time, uh, it's just a greeting, it's not a family reunion, but it says up there that we are family, so tonight I want to talk about just being a Barnabas, okay? Um, Barnabas is such an amazing person of the Bible, hallelujah, and I always, I always have to remember that these aren't just stories, these are real events that happen, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think we all know that, but when you really think about it in that way, and the miracles done... And the people that lived, it's like, wow, praise the Lord. Look what God has done. And so let's just pray before we get started. Father, we thank you that we can be here tonight. We thank you that we can receive from you, Holy Spirit. We can receive from you what you have for us tonight, Lord. Help us to not go home empty-handed to open our hearts to what you're trying to say, Lord. And I just thank you for speaking through me, Lord. Not giving my opinions or what I think, but what your word says. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So I'm going to talk about being an encourager, because that's, what Bar- that's who Barnabas was, amen. He was an encourager. He liked to encourage people. Hallelujah. And I feel like everyone needs someone to encourage them. No matter who you are, uh, you can't go it alone in this world, amen. We have the Holy Spirit with us, and He guides us, but it's also nice to have somebody that is going to encourage you along the way, Amen. Because I talked, I've talked about in the last couple of times about persevering and how we want to persevere through life struggles and persevere through hardships. And, and we can do that by relying on the Lord, but it's also nice to have somebody that's going to encourage you, not just to tell you what you want to hear, amen, but tell you what you need to hear, amen. Tell you something that's going to affect your life in a, in a positive way. So I'm sure we all have people that tell us things that we want to hear, uh, tell us things that... Uh, maybe not be beneficial to us, uh, but when we have a Barnabas in our life, when we have an encourager, they're going to tell you what you need to hear, but then encourage you in that thing. Amen. Whatever it is, whatever you're going through, they're going to encourage you. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at some, some examples in the, in the Bible. And, and just studying for the message tonight, I just thought, wow, uh, you know, the Bible talks a lot about friends. You know, the Bible talks a lot about companions and there's good ones and there's bad ones. Amen. So we're going to go into that. And so I've talked about persevering through these things. And, uh, and it's true that we can encourage ourselves. The Bible says that we build ourselves up, right, on our most holy faith. Um, but we're not always going to have some, because we're not going to always have somebody available. I mean, sometimes, you know, depending on who you are, if you're, maybe you don't talk a lot with people, maybe you don't have somebody that encourages you. Maybe you have multiple people that encourage you. Whatever it is. Um, we want to be encouraged, but then also we want to be an encourager. We want to be a Barnabas, amen? We want to be a Barnabas to somebody else. We want to be somebody's encourager, somebody that's going to, um, when somebody tells us something, a secret or a struggle, that we don't tell it to everybody else and gossip about it, but we 
encourage them in their faith. Hallelujah. And so I want to go to 1 Samuel 30, uh, verse 3. And so David, um, David went through a lot before he actually became the king. He was anointed, but then he went through years of persecution from Saul and just running for his life. And so it says in verse 3, David and his men came to the city and their daughter, and, and there it was, uh, I'm going to start over. David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And so they're going through a tough time. I mean, they, they, just, they just came to their city and it was burned. Their, their children, their wives were taken. And it says, And David's two wives, uh, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. So David was in this unbelievable distress. And I know probably all of us, if we were in the same situation, we would be distraught, right? I mean, you can't even sometimes imagine what people go through, and not just in here, but you talk about people on the other side of the world and in places where Christianity is not uh, very well accepted and they have to flee for their life. They have to, they don't know if they go to a church service if they're going to be able to finish the church service or if they're going to be uh, raided or, or the church is going to be burned down. And so David's going through this and it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He strengthened himself. I mean, he, he was with people that, uh, he was in, with people that had no hope and they were not going to strengthen him. <laughs> They were not going to encourage him. In fact, it said that they spoke of stoning him because it was so bad, because they were so grieved. And he had to remind himself of the God that he served. Amen. He had to remind himself that, wait a minute, I serve a God who can do all things. Amen. Who can, get, who can um, take any situation and turn it around. Amen. He had to make an effort to rely on God. Sometimes we have to make an effort. It's not always just going to come natural to us, when we're going through a circumstance, uh, the devil's going to try to attack us or, you know, just our own thoughts are going to try to say, you're not going to make it. You have no hope. We talked about how we persevere, um, how we have these various trials and, and we have um, tribulations and we glory in them because we know that they produce perseverance and that perseverance produces character and character produces hope. But that's all how we uh, our attitude when we're going through it. Because we have people that can go through a hard time but not put their trust in Jesus, not persevere through it. And as a result, their, their character is not going to grow and their hope isn't going to grow. So if we can look at the Lord and we can say, Lord, I, I want what you have for me. I know, I'm, I, I know that you're not putting me through this, Lord, but I trust in you to help me and to lead me through whatever is going on. We're going to come out better than when we came in, Right? And so David, he's relying on the Lord. And, you know, when I, when I say this, when I talk about building ourselves up, I'm not talking about leaving God out of the equation. Amen. Well, we encourage ourselves through him. Through him. Because sometimes it's easy to say, well, okay, you know, the, people say, well, I got this. I got this. And, and they, we build ourselves up. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to, I can get through this. I can get through this. And it's like, God's over here like, hey, I can help. I can help. Include me in the equation. Right? 
What does the Bible say? I can do all things through my own strength. Through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. I am more than a conqueror by myself. Amen. Through Christ. Hallelujah. I'm more than a conqueror through Him who loved me. Hallelujah. Jude 1.20 says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. This is one of those things I think gets really uh, kind of skewed in the body of Christ sometimes, where people say, well, there's a gift of, of tongues. There's a, there's a gift. And so only certain people have this gift of tongues. But this building ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, really means this personal prayer time with God. Right? This edification that comes when we just pray in the Spirit. We, you know, we're doing worship, we pray in the Spirit. We, what, is, what are we doing? We're building ourselves up. There's not, a, there's not an interpretation that comes with it sometimes when it's just in our prayer life or our personal, when we're pra- praising the Lord because the Bible says that we praise Him with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Amen? Spiritual songs, songs maybe that we don't really uh, know the words to, but we're praising Him. Amen? We're building ourselves up. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So there is this building up of ourselves that we have to do. Praying in the Holy Spirit builds us up. Praying in our personal prayer language edifies ourselves. But we need to think about people to pull us out of things that we didn't think think was there, right? So when we build ourselves up, um, you know, that's great, but then we have people placed in our life. I, you know, divine appointments, divine relationships, amen? That people are put in our life to pull things out of us that we didn't know was there. I mean, just like uh, they, they were talking about this morning, how Jeannie kind of can pull the gold out of somebody, amen, encouraging and different things. That's, that's what we want. That's what we need, right? And I know sometimes it's hard. Maybe, maybe you don't have somebody that you can just go to and just kind of lay everything on the line for them and then have them encourage you. If you don't, I encourage you just to pray about it. Pray about sending somebody to you to help you in, in situations. And the Lord, again, the Lord helps us. He, he's the only one we need. But He also wants us to have good relationships and good friendships, right? Proverbs 21.17 says, in the Amplified, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. I like that word, influences. Amen. We want to have somebody that influences us in a positive way. And it says through discussion. This isn't talking about, you know, you're, you're talking with a friend and they're just getting down. They're, 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 um, they're dogging you and they're downing you, you know, and they're saying um, just things that are hurtful and like you need to get out of that sin. You need to do this and that. No, it's talking about a building up through discussion. Building up, encouraging you through the scriptures. Hallelujah. My grandma was here this morning. And we used to talk until 2 in the morning just about the Word when I was over at her place, when I was even just in high school, middle school. We just talked until 2 in the morning just about the Bible and different things. And it would always encourage me, amen? We'd have these discussions that would just encourage me. And so we want to build ourselves up. We want to find people that's going to build ourselves up. And so there's a couple of examples I want to talk about. The first, I want to go to Job. And if you know the book of Job, you know that there wasn't very many encouraging people in Job's life. Okay? So first, let's go to Job 2.9. This is his wife speaking, okay? His wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Okay, so, so Job's going, if you don't know the book of Job, so, Job, so Satan comes and asks 
God, um, you built a hedge around Job. I want him. I want to test his faith. I want to see if he really serves you. And so, and so the devil burns down his, his house, kills his kids, you know, it takes everything from all of his resources, his livestock. And Job was a wealthy guy. If you read the scriptures, Job was a wealthy guy. And so he loses everything. Then the devil comes and says, um, I haven't been able to touch him yet. I, I need to, I want to physically touch him. And so Satan brings boils on Job, it says, from head to toe. Okay? And so he's going through all these things, and his wife says, Curse God and die. So just what he's going through, he lost his kids, and his wife says, Just saying, just die already. Just don't even be on this earth anymore. Now, Job. You know, it says throughout the whole ordeal, everything that happened to him, he never sinned against God. He never sinned against the Lord. Amen? And so then, so this is his wife. Then we get to Job 2.11. And here come his three, quote-unquote, friends. I'll put them in air quotes here. His friends. It's, it always bewilders me that, Job, that the book of Job calls them his friends um, just because of how they dealt with this whole thing. But... Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And so you might think, wow, that's really cool. His friends are coming. They're going to come and help him up, you know, encourage him in all of his, all of his woes, everything that's going on. And uh, mourn him, take care of him while he's suffering through all these boils and different things. And, but I want to give you the timeline of Job and his friends' conversation, okay? So from Job 4 to Job 22, there's this back and forth. And first it's Eliphaz telling him that, well, you sinned and that's why this is happening to you. So you just, you just sinned. It's your fault. You're, that's why this happened. And then Job comes back and starts complaining about a situation to his friends, right? And then Bildad comes and says, well, no, you need to repent. Your fault, you sin, you need to repent. And then Job comes back and he starts complaining some more, complaining to God about what's going on in his life. And then Zophar comes in and chimes in and says, no, Job, you need to repent. So you see this back and forth, and it lasts for 18, 19 chapters in Job. And you think, I mean, it's, one, it's some of the toughest parts to read of the Bible, because there's just this, there's this, uh, this condemnation and judgment and complaining that's going on. And... Uh, and then Job tries to confront his friends about all the harsh things they're saying. He's saying, no, I'm righteous. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm righteous. Okay. And then the kind of the final straw is Eliphaz and Bildad actually tell Job, no, you're wicked. You're not righteous. You're wicked. And so you see this escalation. Uh, and we've, we all fight with friends. I understand, right? But we see this escalation of this back and forth between Job and his friends. And I always think with friends like these, who needs enemies? With friends that are going to continue to, to put you down, and maybe some of you have somebody like that in your life, who just continually put you down. You try to go to them about something, and they, and they want to talk about their problems only, and that's it, and they're, they're going to put you down. Well, pray for them, but maybe get another friend. Get somebody else that's going to encourage you. And so this happens, and then you have Elihu. And Elihu is mentioned in six chapters of the Bible, all through Job. Job chapters 32 through 37. And it says that he was much younger than Job and his friends. 
they were much older than him. And so Elihu was probably pretty young and just kind of wise beyond his years. I mean, just if you, we're not going to read it all. I don't, I don't think I could do that uh, in a service like this. But Elihu comes and really tells him exactly what he needs to hear. Tells his friends off first and then tells them what he needs to hear. And, uh, and Elihu comes in and he speaks this reality to Job. And as you read through it, this reality isn't a harsh, in a harsh way. If you could just imagine how he's saying the words that he's saying to Job. You, I really saw it as just this, Job, man, you got to get it together. No, Job, you're not, it's not all about you. You're not, it's not uh, your righteousness that, that is the focal point. It's God's righteousness. And he's, you can just see this encouragement that's coming from Elihu. And he encourages him in his faith. Don't give up. Hold fast. Amen. And so there's times that we all need to hear like a blunt word from a friend. There's times where we just need to hear it out. Is, but there's also times, and I would say more so, where we just need to be encouraged. Right? We just need to be encouraged. I mean, there's so many things that can discourage us throughout our life that, you know, and I'm, I'm probably not great at this. You know, I'm always trying to fix problems and give advice and do different things. Um, sometimes we just need to listen and encourage, right? Listen and encourage. And this is what Elihu, you know, he, he comes in for six chapters and he gives this amazing sermon or speech to Job. And then we know that God answers Job out of the whirlwind and, uh, and then kind of puts him back in his place and says, Hey, I'm still God. Amen. And I am your Redeemer. I am your Savior. And then what does he do? He restores Job. He restores to him double what he had. Amen. And I really believe that Elihu was there to put Job's heart back in the right place. Because Job... Job, he didn't sin against God, but his heart wasn't in the right place at the time because of everything going on. And Elihu comes in and he tells him exactly what he needs to hear. And Job, I believe, positions his heart to, look to the Lord to be able to hear from God and to receive it. Because just like I, I gave the example, you have one oven, if you have a circumstance, you have one oven, you have a pizza and you have a, a potato. If you put a pizza in the oven, it's gonna, the crust is going to get hard. But if you put a potato in the oven, it's going to get soft. Amen. And so this oven is the circumstances. The, the ingredients is our heart. And so if God speaks to you and you go hard towards God, then it means your heart's not in the right place. But if he's trying to speak to you through anybody or, or just himself through his word and you have your heart open to him, it's going to get soft towards the word. It's going to be able to receive what God is trying to tell you. Amen. And so we need, you know, our, our job is we don't want to believe that we have everything figured out and we know all the scriptures and we know every application for every scripture and not be able to be told anything by anybody. No, God might send somebody to you to soften your heart so that he can reveal something to you through his word. Because we can be kind of hard-headed sometimes as people, right? And so Elihu comes and encourage, and we, we know the rest of the story of Job. Life is going to have tribulations and struggles, but if we want to be encouraged, we need to encourage others as well. Right? And so this brings me to Barnabas. Okay. So Barnabas is mostly an axe. 
I think we see his name in Colossians as well. And uh, Barnabas wasn't actually his real name. Let's go to Acts 4.36. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levi of the country, of Cyprus. And so his real name is Joseph. Okay, And he was named Barnabas because of his attitude of life, towards life. <laughs> really, what it was. You know, he didn't... He didn't bring people down, but he was an encourager. He encouraged the disciples. Wouldn't you? Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's like uh, you know, it, you know, Marianne, but we don't call her Marianne. We call her Barnabas, or we call her woman of encouragement. I don't know. The son of encouragement is Barnabas. I don't know what daughter of encouragement is, but but we wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, this that's how, that's how you're known. It's just that you're, you're, I know this guy's going to encourage me, so I want to rub up against him. <laughs> I want to be friends with Barnabas because he's going to encourage me in all of my, uh, in anything that I do. And I, you know, his friends gave him this name because of his track record. Because from probably when he was young and all the friends that he had, as he grew in the Lord, he just continued to encourage people. He continued to encourage <clears throat> his friends. And Barnabas is really instrumental in Paul's ministry. And we're going to look at this, and we're going to see this here in Acts 9.26. And so Saul gets converted um, on the road to Damascus, and, and um, so he, he goes to Damascus, and he comes to Jerusalem. And it says that when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. So he tries to get into the disciples to see them, and they did not want to see him. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. And, and then it says in 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Now, I, I love that because <clears throat> Saul's reputation was not good. And you know, I don't know if Barnabas had any other, um, had any other uh, interaction with Saul before this, but Barnabas really had to take a step of faith and say, no, I, I believe in this guy. I believe that he's telling the truth. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So Barnabas comes along, brought him to the apostles. He declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas comes in, and it really starts Paul's ministry because they welcome him, and they send him on missionary journeys. So you think of Barnabas, and you think of this relationship that he has with Paul, and he he befriends him. You know, and I think of people that come to this church, maybe that that have never been here before or are new, who just, you know, sometimes it's hard to go to a new place. It's hard to go to a new church or a new city or different things. And and so I encourage you when you see people that haven't come here before or are new to town or anything like that, just go up and just start talking to them. Just ask them where they're from. I mean, just be an encouragement to them, because we don't know what God's going to use them for, right? We don't know the friendship and the relationship that might be built because of that. Hallelujah. And again, it's all for the glory of God, right? It's not so that we can make connections and all that, you know, but it's about, it's about, um, um, it's about saving souls. It's about being a witness. It's about sharing a testimony, being a blessing. Hallelujah. So this is what Barnabas was. And, and, um, you know, Barnabas, Barnabas really believed the best in Paul. He, he thought the best of him. And he thought the best of everything. But let's go to Acts 11. Acts 
It says, Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that, um, with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. And so they went, they heard of what God was doing in this city, Antioch. And of course they send Barnabas because he's going to encourage the saints. He's going to encourage them in their faith. And it says that a great many people were added to the Lord that during that visit. And I always just think, you know, as I, as I think about it in my mind, how, how it might have looked, I think like, you know, you have all the apostles together and, uh, and they're just thinking about, hey, we have these people over here. We think they love the Lord, but we're not 100% sure. Who should we send? And somebody's like, how about the encourager? <laughs> the one that gives the benefit of the doubt, the one that's going to uh, encourage them in their faith. And they're like, yeah, I, I, we think that's a great idea. Barnabas isn't mentioned a lot, but he had a, such a great ministry. He had such a great ministry. In another part of Acts, it talks about John, Mark, and Barnabas. In Colossians 4.10, it says that Mark and Barnabas were actually cousins. Um, something that as you read through the scriptures, it's, it's cool to see um, how things kind of intertwine. You know, Luke you know, wrote, wrote a gospel, but then he, also was, he was also with Paul on a lot of his trips. I mean, all through Acts, you know, he talks about in the first person how they were shipwrecked and, and different things. And, and so Barnabas and Mark were cousins. And, and um, Mark, according to scholars, wrote the... Um, is, this is the same Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. Okay? And so Mark and Barnabas were cousins. And in Acts 12, 25, when Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, when they had fulfilled their ministry, they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. And so Barnabas, Saul, Mark go on a mission trip together. And then Acts 13, 13 tells us that John didn't finish the trip. It says when, when Paul and his party set from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, who's John Mark, departed from them returning to Jerusalem. Now, we don't know why John Mark departed. It doesn't probably really matter. There must have been either something urgent, or maybe there was so much stress and and different things, perils, that he just said, I'm, I'm going to go back. Maybe he had a family emergency. Who knows what the reason was. But he leaves, okay. So then we go, we're just going to go right down the line here, Acts 15. And we know that Paul didn't like this. Whatever happened, Paul, Paul was against Mark going back, uh, going back to Jerusalem. And Acts 15, 36 it says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. I mean, John had gone, Mark had gone to certain places with him and Barnabas was just, he wanted to take Mark. Okay? He wanted to take Mark. No matter what happened in the past, he wanted to take Mark. And... Uh, it says that Paul insisted they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And it says the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. Barnabas said, no, we're, we're taking Mark. I'm going to take Mark whether you go with me or not. Okay? 
think about this from Mark's perspective, okay? For whatever the reason, um, he, they want to go back and they want to visit the churches that they, that they planted. And, and Mark obviously wants to go too. Hey, you know, I, maybe I found my faith again. I want to go with you. I'm ready to deal with what's going to happen when we go. And Paul says, no, you deserted us. No, we're not going to take you. And you can just see this conversation with Barnabas and Paul and Barnabas trying to give this second chance, saying, no, he's really, he's on fire for the Lord. We, we need to bring him. And Paul saying, no, we're not going to bring him. And we see it says, Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. So one, Barnabas probably felt a little bit of loyalty to his cousin, right? It was his cousin, it was a family member. But also, I believe that he saw something that was in Mark that was valuable to the ministry. Because Barnabas obviously could hear from God. He knew, he had been on trips, he knew what he was doing. And, you know, whatever had happened before, Mark ended up being a great witness for Jesus in those places. And we're going to, we'll keep going through. But one thing about Barnabas is he could, you know, talk about drawing out the gold in people. He could draw out the gold. He didn't let any, he didn't, from, from the, what we see in here, in the, in the word, he didn't let things get to him like others did. He had this particular grace to give second chance. He had particular grace to give this encouragement. And in our life, you know, we want to be able to give encouragement in any situation to anybody that we meet. We're not going to be perfect at it. But we want to be able to give this encouragement. We want to be able to draw the gold out of people. Not that you're going to have just this amazing Barnabas ministry, but you can always encourage somebody. You can always be there for somebody. So let's go to 2 Timothy 4. So all this happens. They split ways. Uh, Paul has something against Mark. And we see in 2 Timothy 4.9, Paul says, Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Uh, Crescens for Galatia, and Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And look what he says. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. So you see this complete 180 that Paul does. And I have to believe that it was Barnabas that took Mark on this trip. And he said, no, I know something good is going to come out of this if we bring him. And Paul saw something in Mark to say, wow, Barnabas was right. But I love that he says, bring Mark with, specifically, bring Mark with you. You can bring anybody else, but bring Mark for sure, because he's useful to me. He's useful for the ministry. He's going to uh, do well for what we're going to do in the ministry. And you have to believe, even for, even for Paul, that Barnabas continued to rub off on Paul this encouragement, this uh, giving, you know, second chances, giving, um, giving in, you know, Barnabas just giving an ear. Mark, bud, why'd you, why'd you leave us, right? Hallelujah. Barnabas is such an important part of Paul's life. And anybody in this room, you all have a ministry. We all have a ministry to the, to the kingdom, Amen. And so, if you have a Barnabas, hold on to that person. <laughs> hold on to that encourager. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, but hold on. So, Barnabas was extremely important. And, um, and I just, I don't know, I can't get over, the, over it that, 
that throughout the gospel, especially Acts, he was just called Barnabas. It wasn't even, it was just a nickname. We're just going to use his nickname, Barnabas, because he's such an encouragement. We want people to know that this guy, Joseph, was an encouragement to us. Amen? And we can be that to somebody. You can be an encouragement to somebody in your life. Life's, you know, life's not easy. You know, we, we, didn't, we definitely don't go through things that people in other countries go through. Um, but life isn't easy. And anybody that's watching on Facebook that are go, is going through any hardships, you know, and um, especially persecution in, in other countries, I know there's people watching from countries around the world, but we just want to bless you in Jesus' name. You know, if, if you need encouragement, um, find somebody like Barnabas. You know, if you need somebody to talk to, you're on my Facebook, obviously, reach out. Because we can't go through it alone. We don't want to try to go through it alone. Amen? God doesn't want us to go through it alone. I mean, Jesus had 12 disciples. Jesus just didn't have a ministry by himself. No, he, had, he surrounded himself with 12 people that, yes, were imperfect, but I'm sure they tried their best to encourage him in his ministry. Right? Paul. Paul had, you know, basically had Timothy, raising Timothy up and um, going on mission trips. He had somebody to encourage him. I mean, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Amen? And when you have somebody that you can go to, um, it really makes things a lot easier. But I encourage you even this. Be that person to somebody. Be that encouragement to somebody. Right? Be somebody that, that somebody wants to go to, that a friend wants to go to to receive encouragement. Not to gossip about things. Not to just tell you what you want to hear, but tell you things that you need to hear. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for tonight. And Lord, I just pray that even right now, Lord, that you're sending somebody to all of us that can be an encouragement to us. Lord, that can um, be somebody just to listen or even a shoulder to cry on. Lord, that you care about us. You care about us individually. Father, I pray even, too, that we can be an encouragement to a friend or a colleague, Lord, somebody who's maybe going through a struggle, going through a hard time, that we can uh, just be somebody to be there to lift them up, just like you lift up our head, Lord, just like you give us encouragement, just like you edify us as we pray in the Holy Spirit, you edify us through your word. Father, I pray uh, just for uh, that for us, for somebody for us, and that we can be that for somebody else, Lord. Lord, we give you a praise and glory. I thank you for a great week for everybody here. I thank you for job promotions, increases, Lord. I pray for uh, family members coming back to you, Lord, that, that you want people to be saved. It's your will that all come to the knowledge of the truth, that none perish, Lord. So I, I just thank you for blessing everybody here, blessing their families, Lord, their jobs, blessing their health. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and glory. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Give the Lord a clap offering tonight. Amen. Have a great week. You are dismissed. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. 
For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.